A little bit of housekeeping before we jump into today's episode. So this episode and the one that will follow it tomorrow are designed to give you a better idea about who the candidates running for the board of directors are. This podcast is not officially associated with the American Black Hereford Association, although they are an occasional sponsor. It is just something that I decided to do privately to try to meet the needs of Black Hereford breeders. So the way I decided to present these board candidate interviews was by breaking them into two separate episodes, just because I figured if I put them all into one, it's going to be two hours long, and that's a lot to ask someone to listen to. This episode will feature my interviews with Jacob Smith and Mark Ibsen. Part two of this episode will release tomorrow and will feature Bobby Peters, Matt Bolte, and Chad Jones. Those candidates were not placed in any specific order for any reason. I just put them in as I was able to schedule them. So they are in the order that the interviews occurred. I hope you will find these interviews to be as insightful for your election choices as I did. And I also really hope that you will take these candidates up on their offer to speak with you. Most of them gave contact information and invited you to reach out to them with questions or concerns. I really encourage that you do that so that you can get to know them even better than what I was able to do with this podcast. All right, let's hear what they've got to say. I am here today with Jacob Smith, one of our American Black Hereford Association Board of Director candidates. So Jacob, why don't you take a minute and kind of tell us about yourself, a little about who you are, what you do, and where you're from. Uh, thank you, Jennifer. Uh, it's been uh, it's been great to listen to you do this podcast. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, to get started here, answering your first question a little bit about myself, uh, my name is Jacob Smith. I'm from Newton, Iowa. That's a central part of Iowa. We're just 30 miles straight east of Des Moines. Um, a little bit about us, uh, about me. I'm a high school vocational ag teacher and FFA instructor. Um, and alongside that, I uh, help with my family's 500 acre uh, row crop farm. And we run about 75 head of registerable females. So. And how long, well, this feels like a silly question because I know the answer is going to be your whole life, but how long have you been in the cattle business? Uh, well, I've been, technically I've been in the cattle business probably my whole life. I mean, I don't know anything different, so. And you guys have been doing Black Herefords for a while, right? Correct. Uh, we, uh, <clears throat> my family and I started in 2007. Uh, we started with one bull and one heifer. Uh, we started, we ran primarily a, uh, commercial Angus cows, but we also, we used Hereford bulls. Uh, and then just as time come on, we kept our replacement females. We uh, were seeing more red calves pop up and uh, dad seen a advertisement for black Herefords and just thought that kind of seemed like a pretty nice logical answer for what we were dealing with. And so there we were, we started with uh, one cow, one bull, uh, kind of started as a 4-H project for me and my sister there in 2007. Um, the joke around the farm here is it's uh, 
that one cow, one bull has turned into 75 head of cows, uh, strictly just all black Herefords now. Uh, but it's kind of the joke as this is a 4-H project that's gone wild. So. <laughs> well, everybody needs a hobby and you might as well let it take over, right? Yep, That's right. That's Absolutely. Right. So why did you decide to run for the board of directors? I decided to run for the board of directors because uh, I felt that, you know, I have a lot of knowledge and a lot of, you know, history and background of the board. Like I said, I've been doing this or, you know, been a part of the breed since 2007. I mean, ever since I was a little kid. Um, I just, I, I wanted to run because I feel that, you know, I bring a lot of good things to the table. Um, I feel like I could, I bring a lot of good communication between large breeders and the small breeders. I mean, whether you got one or two head of black Herefords or you got a hundred plus, you know, I think I, I, I can communicate with the, with the breeders, try to get some information out to them or answer any questions that they have just because, you know, I, I feel like I've been doing this quite for quite a while. Um, you know, I just, I feel like too, um, it doesn't hurt to maybe have somebody who's a little younger. I'm a, a little younger candidate, probably than most people think. Uh, but another thing too, is I feel that, you know, with my experience through FFA and as a teacher, um, I know how to, how to work with people, gauge, you know, what their concerns are, what maybe what direction they want to see the breed going. I just kind of want to run just on behalf of you know, I want to represent everybody as a whole, you know, not just certain people, certain breeders, uh, you know, whether you're large or small. I mean, I just kind of here for myself and to help represent the smaller people, because I mean, technically, we're kind of a smaller breeder if you look at it. Well, one of the things that I think is really interesting. So I have a background in ag ed as well, mm -hmm. and it provides such a well-rounded yep. view of the entire ag industry. And I think that can be really valuable yes. in a lot of ways. I tell people uh, ag ed is another degree um, that doesn't say ag business on it. Um, in ag ed, you can go be a banker. You can go be a teacher, of course. But I mean, agronomist, you, you name it, ag ed falls about anywhere in the spectrum. Uh, I just fortunately growing up, I enjoyed working with youth through 4-H and FFA. And that's just kind of. I got the kick and the push from my FFA instructor and that's where I've landed and I've enjoyed every minute of it. Well, and you were pretty involved in the juniors back in the day, weren't you? Yeah. Kind of, kind of on the line of that. Uh, I kind of helped get the junior association started. I'm trying to think back when we kind of got it started. It seems so long ago and I've aged out of course. Um, but yeah, I was kind of one of the leading junior members at the time that helped get the junior association started, kind of got a push towards our going for junior nationals. And uh, it's always fun to watch and see the kids there and how many we get. Cause every year it just keeps climbing and climbing. And like I've talked to Ernie, you know, he says, I hope I told Ernie the other day, I said, I hope we're, we're gunning for at least a hundred head next year. I mean, and it's a time process and I think we're, we're making good ground on that. Absolutely. So what are some of the challenges that you see facing both the association and or the breed right now? Uh, some of the challenges that me personally that I see is, uh, you know, I feel the EPDs are, you know, we're working on that. That's a challenge. It's always going to be a challenge until we, we are big enough to have the correct amount of data that, you know, we need to have a true good set of EPDs. I like to use EPDs as much as everybody else. Um, but at the same time too, 
it's hard for me to trust the EPDs when it's, it's hard to, you know, when it's hard to believe in them. So I feel like, you know, and it's a, it, we're getting there. It's a good thing that, you know, we have them. It's just the matter of a challenge is, you know, we have to uh, look at those EPDs, evaluate, you know, is this the set of EPDs we want to use? Uh, but on the same lines of that too, um, that so a lot of that boils down to us, you know, educating our members on data, um, educating them on, you know, turning in that data and making sure, you know, they know, hey, we are such a new breed that, you know, we're working to build these EPDs. I mean, there's not going to be, it's not going to be American Hereford EPDs or the Angus EPDs today. I mean, that's, it's very hard to do when we're such a young breed. You know, we started back in 94. I mean, so we're still, we're still young, 94, 97, you know, depending on how you look at that, but we're young, we're growing. And I think this is the EPDs are only going to get better, you know, as we get more members, more cattle, more data. Preach it. Turn the data in. <laughs> Turn the data in. Absolutely. So I agree with you a lot about education and we've got to not only get our members to understand why they need to turn in the data and why they need to turn in all of the data, but also how to read EPDs. Mm -hmm. I would, I would agree. And, you know, maybe understand what EPDs work for your herd. Um, you know, in my operation, um, I'm not necessarily striving for the lowest birth weighted calf to be born in America. Um, I'd like to see them calves come out at 80 pounds, 80, 80 to 84 pounds, you know, uh, <clears throat> but at the same time too, um, and this leads into another thing that kind of I look at and when I see people and hear people talk is, you know, you have to gauge what the market is in your industry, in your area. Um, in central Iowa here, um, the only places we can run pasture is anything that can't be farmed, whether that's the cricks, the timbers. I mean, anything that can't, you can't pull a piece of John Deere equipment through it. That's what you got to do. A lot of our guys here can travel uh, within 100 miles of my place and go look at 200 head of Angus bulls. And they can all buy those Angus bulls for $2,500 to $3,000. Um, so one thing I, I look at in a, in a person's breeding program is you have to gauge what your market is. In central Iowa, a lot of our calves in this area are sold at, at weaning time. So they want to pound heavy, you know, at weaning. So, I mean, for us, we try to focus on that, you know, looking at that weaning weight, where's it going to fall for these producers? But two, uh, when we're looking at our, for replacements, we try to also gauge on some yearling weights and try to get some yearling weights out there. I mean, everybody likes big numbers. Um, I get it because that shows a lot of growth. But, you know, try to gauge what you're, uh, what you're trying to take your operation to and try to see, you know, that's how you need to uh, evaluate the EPDs that you're using. Absolutely. And I think that's just such a great message of knowing what your market is and then planning accordingly. And it's sometimes a harder message to hear than people it's, realize. It's, I've had people ask me, you know, why don't you breed for more traditional looking Herefords? Um, and, the, and the real answer to that is if I take a traditional looking Hereford, black Hereford animal, you know, feather necked, white face, white socks, white belly. I will still take the Hereford discount. You know, it's a five to 15 cent, a hundred discount here in central Iowa. And if you've got a red one, you just, uh, they sort those out like a sore thumb. I mean, it's, it's not even funny to, to watch that in this area. So, I mean, 
we try to breed for some pigment, you know, black to the ground, but and that works for us. But you know, just gauge what works for you and where you want to take your, you know, your your herd. I mean, I don't have a problem how you want to how you want to breed them. If you want to breed them traditional Hereford, or if you want to breed them with pigment like we do. I mean, we breed a lot of pigment just because it helps with pink eye and it just helps uh, our producers, our our buyers, you know, not try to get as much traditional Hereford look to them. Absolutely. I hear that. We still sell our commercial herd through the sale barn every year. We're a little old fashioned that way. We're not in the contract game. And every time they get a new yard, man, when we sort calves every year, it's like, I have to re-educate and go to battle every year. Again, you are not pulling those feather necks out. I don't care what you say. And it's, it's silly. It's a silly battle, but that's the market we exist in. They're all red on the inside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then on the flip side of that first question, what do you see as the strengths of our breed and our association? So the strength that I see is of the breed in our association is we have something very special. I feel, um, you know, we have a true, what I would say is a true breed up program that, you know, where we breed up and make our cattle better. Um, another strength is to our members. I feel like our association is a very, very tight group. Um, you know, we all want the same thing in mind for the association and we want to try to make the association better. Um, I, there's not a person in the country that raises black herfers that I could call and I could probably sit down and have a 30 minute to an hour conversation with. I just, I feel like we're just a very good group of people trying to raise good quality cattle and trying to get to the same end goal. I think that's what makes our association very special. So then how can we better tap into that? Cause I do think we're very familial and sometimes we have fights like families and sometimes we do really, really well. How can we tap into that energy? So what I've thought about is, um, you know, we just got to kind of sit and, you know, let, let our breeders breed the kind of cattle that they want to breed. We, it's how we all work together. I mean, whether you want to breed down on the lower percents or whether you want to breed up in the purebreds, that's, that's great. I mean, I don't have a problem with where you breed your cattle, what percent you're aiming for and you know how you do it. You know, if you want to use, you know, just strictly homozygous black homozygous pulled bulls, you know, great. That's if that works for you in the market and your customers, great. Um, if you're like me, I try to influence a lot of red Herefords into my herd. Um, and the reason behind that is, is I'm trying to create some genetic diversity. Um, I feel that's one thing we face as a challenge in our breed is trying to create a little genetic diversity. I mean, we're, we're having even, I mean, we're so young that, you know, we're only 22, 23,000 head of registered cattle, but you got to remember, we all pretty much started at the one source. Right. Um, so, you know, just trying to, you know, create some genetic diversity. Um, I have no problems using those red Herefords, uh, taking some red calves every, every once in a while does hurt. I will admit that. But at the same time too, um, where I'm at in my operation is I I've tried to create enough genetic diversity in my herd that I can rotate my bulls between my cows. But at the same time too, if somebody from Texas reaches out to me and says, Hey, I've been using this line of genetics for the last four or five years. What do you have is different, you know, and that to me is something is something special. Um, 
and I just like to, you know, I just like good quality cattle, whether what, no matter what breed there is. Um, I enjoy going to the Iowa state fair here. That's what we're getting ready for coming up and, you know, going and watching the, the, uh, 4-H breeding heifer show and just looking out across all the different breeds and just admiring, you know, the differences and the quality each one of those animals brings, brings to the table. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you would want listeners to know as they're preparing to get those ballots for that board seat? Well, everybody's going to say vote for me, of course. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, you know, don't, you know, be, you know, when you go to make your ballots, you know, do some research on your candidates, you know, don't be scared to reach out to the candidates as well. Um, you know, I'll take a phone call any time of the day. Um, I enjoy talking about cattle. I can have a, I can have a 30 minute conversation about black Herford cattle pretty darn easy. It seems like, um, you know, just reach out, call the, call your board members, call your, the board candidates and just see where they stand on things. You know, I mean, that might help you better educate on which vote to, you know, who you want to vote for. Um, I encourage you to, to come to the national meeting there in Kansas city. It's always a good time, uh, good food and good people. It always seems like, but I understand too, if you're far enough away and you know, you gotta, you know, do your vote over the computer. I, I understand that, but at the same time, you know, reach out to the candidates, you know, try to gauge a true feel of the candidates based on your conversations and what you've seen from them and what you uh, heard from them on your phone conversation rather than what you may have heard from a rumor of maybe other people, um, you know, because I've there's been a lot of times, you know, people will say, well, that person's, a, you know, no good. Well, if you just sit down and call them, you know, maybe you get a different feel, different gauge. And you think, well, really, that person's not too bad of a person. So I just, you know, take some time to uh, to just educate yourself with the board members, take time I, with the board candidates. I'm about positive. All of them will take a phone call, you know, in a, while they're running. And this podcast helps too, but you know, if you want to go a little deeper and a little deeper questions, that's, that's great too. So. Absolutely. I think, you know, rumors are definitely part of the breed association thing, yep. right? So confirm all that because I can't tell you how many times that I've just called the person up directly and it's been like, yeah, that was a load of crap. And, and I've, and I tell people this all the time. Uh, I've, you know, I've been a part of the Iowa junior Hereford association. I'm on the Iowa Hereford board of directors, you know, I'll shoot straight with you. You know, if you got questions about something, you know, I'll shoot straight with you and, you know, I'll give you my honest opinion about it. So. Okay. So the question I like to end every interview with, What's one thing you'd change about Black Herefords? So one thing I'd change about Black Herefords, for one, for me, it's uh, try to create some genetic diversity in them. I know I've hit on that. Uh, you know, I just feel like we are at, we have something so special and we are so close to hitting, you know, hitting this thing and blowing it wide open. Um, I feel, you know, doing just a, creating a little bit of genetic diversity may help some outside people looking in, maybe say, well, maybe now if there's a little bit of something different um, that we can, we could maybe, we could do this Black Herford thing. Um, another thing I'd like to change is, you know, I think we need to try to, we need to try to open this thing up to, you know, the larger breeders in the country, whether they're Angus, whether they're Herford, but at the same time too, there's a lot of guys out there 
Um, I know somebody in particular that has Hereford cows. He takes, uh, breeds all of his Hereford bulls to his Hereford cows, and he cuts the, keeps 25 bulls, takes the rest to the sale barn, and then he, uh, you know, takes that big dock, like I said, here in central, in the central part of the United States, and then, you know, wonders why that is, and that's because of that red hide. I think we need to try to change a perspective a little bit that, you know, no matter how we're promoting black Herefords, whether it is a, from a commercial producer standpoint, trying to push bulls out to those customers and educating them on why we should breed black Herefords, at the same time, promoting them in the show ring, promoting them through bull tests. You know, I've seen a lot of that going on. We just, our overall promotion and marketing, uh, I feel it needs to change a little bit, get a little better. Um, and we're working towards that. Um, you know, but at the same time too, um, I don't think we need to downplay and downgrade how somebody markets their cattle. If somebody says, well, I like doing the show cattle thing. My family and I do. It's a great family activity for us. Um, you know, that's one way that we, you know, we spend a lot of family time out in the barn, but at the same time, that's how we promote, you know, our herd of cattle. Um, but at the same time too, the feed test, I think those are great, you know, to me, a feed, the feed test and, a, and the show ring aspect are kind of the same differences. Um, you know, you're still feeding an animal to try to, to try to get that whole genetic potential of that animal. So, I mean, we just got to sit down and work together as a team and market these things to where, you know, we're ready to blow this thing wide open. And, you know, every Hereford breeder's got a black Hereford bull running around in that pasture. Um, I, think, I think that's, a, that's an ultimate goal. Um, a black Hereford bull, gives another option for those red Hereford breeders or the, the old kind of smaller red Hereford breeders that, you know, they, they like to see those red Hereford cows, but don't like taking that dock at the sale barn. Absolutely. I think, you know, that's something that it took me a little bit to wrap my head around was how much we all actually need each other. The show yeah. ring is not my thing and that's okay. But I am so grateful that you guys are out there doing it because I don't, want to have to do it, but mm -hmm. it does a lot to promote the breed. And yes. I'm grateful that those of the, I mean, there's a number of you guys that are out there and do an amazing job with it. And I'm so glad you guys are there doing it. It and, matters. And to go off, you know, like anybody doing a, a the feed test, you know, I think those are great. Um, we have a Iowa cattleman puts on a feed test. Um, and for us, it's just the matter of I can I can sell my bulls uh, better off the farm than I can sell them through that feed test. Right. And that's the reason why I don't do that. You know, they'll run those those bulls through the sale and they'll maybe bring twenty five hundred and they'll bring, you know, maybe five to six thousand, you know. And I just feel that me personally, my with my marketing and what I do off the farm, you know, I can get better, you know, better sales in the long run. You know, you got to takes money to make the farm operate and whatever's going to get the most money is, is what's going to work around here. Uh, but you know, I just feel we just have to sit down as a group, continue to be a unified group. Cause I feel like we are, we're, we're there and just figure out how we can keep growing. Uh, we're always going to have growing pains in this thing until, you know, probably for another 50 years, um, until we have this thing wide open or even a hundred years, you know, but we're, we're making, we're making huge ground in the quality of animals that we're breeding. Um, when we had the national heifer sales, when we first started, 
the quality of animals were very uh i'm not going to downgrade them but they were they were not the quality they were today we'll put you it that way absolutely right <laughs> and it's just been it's been so great to go to different yes. events and sales and look at these animals and say wow we've come a long ways from where we started uh we were dad and i were in our replacement heifer pen here the other day and just looking at our cattle and i pointed out pointed one out and says you know that was kind of the the cattle we all had back in about 2013 2014 you know i said look at that one and now look at where we're at today you know i feel like the breed as a whole is just making huge strides in the quality and the performance of our cattle so i mean kudos to all the breeders that are you know continuing to breed those quality animals so well, and I think a lot of that comes back to what you keep bringing up is that genetic diversity. And yes. the more we've, you know, added some prefixes mm-hmm. and switched things up a little bit, the better we get. And uh, that's and, fabulous. And for us, you know, uh, if I get a home, I don't breed strictly for homozygous black. I never have. But I mean, if I get one that comes out homozygous black and I like the genetics, it's, that's kind of a bonus to me. Um I'm a, I'm a little odd duck. I try to, if I go looking for a, a bull to use, uh, like this year, I bought a bull out of Texas. Um, he was genetically different than anything else in the breed. Um, and he fit my breeding style and breeding on what I call true quarters. And he was homozygous black, homozygous pulled. And I thought, I like the looks of this. So we went ahead and went ahead and went with him. So perfect. Well, where can people find you if they've got questions and they want to give you a holler? So uh, you can uh, get a hold of me by my cell phone number. Uh, I'll just go ahead and give that out. It's uh, 641-521-9947. You can give me a call or shoot me a text. Um, If you want to try to learn a little bit more about uh, my family's operate, mine and my family's operation, uh, you can find us out, find us on Facebook. It's uh, just Smith Black Herefords. Um, and if you're too, if you're at the Iowa State Fair, uh, you know, not many people go there. I, I encourage you to go to the State Fair. Uh, but we have what we have called, it's called the Avenue of Breeds. Um, and we'll take a, a Black Hereford pair and they're on display for 11 days of the State Fair. So that that gets to do some great marketing for us. Uh, I've got a lot of potential customers just off of, Hey, we seen you at the state fair, seen the black Herefords. What can you tell us? What a cool deal. I did not know that existed. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, That's it's fabulous. a really cool deal. Um, I mean the state fair, not saying everybody's going to go walk down through the Avenue of breeds. They've moved locations on us. We were used to be next to the big boars, uh, but now they've kind of moved it off location a little more, but uh, we, our state fair here in Iowa probably sees anywhere from, I don't know. There's some years it'll see over a million people in 11 days. So um, cool. kind of a great, great advertising, great marketing deal. And it's always fun. We always have a little binder out educates, you know, people about black Herefords and you wouldn't believe the, the cattlemen that walk through and they see that and they take the time to uh, read the stuff we put in there. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, giving you. everybody kind of a peek into who you are and, and visiting with us. Yeah. Thank you. So I appreciate what you're doing with the, with the podcast, like I said, uh, when I've uh, had a lot of drive time, I enjoy listening to them. So well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for continuing to tune in to the Black Hereford Chronicles. I have our next board of director candidate with me now. Um, Mark, would you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us just a little bit about who you are and where you're from? 
Okay, Jen, my name is Mark Ipson. I, uh, my wife and I own Ipson Cattle Company. We're located in the southeastern part of Idaho. Uh, we are, uh, we've been in the registered cattle business since 1982. Uh, my father was in it prior to that. So I grew up around registered cattle all of my life. Um, we have Hereford, Angus, and Black Hereford cattle. We hold a production sale the first Tuesday in March it, online. Uh, it is, uh, we market about 50 head of cattle in that sale. And we also run a small equine operation where my wife markets a few quarter horse yearlings each year. Um, we're a fall calving program. We switched to the fall calving for uh, a couple of reasons. Uh, we found that that marketing bulls as yearlings made us calve in January, February. And at 20 below zero, it's pretty tough to get those babies on the ground and getting them going. And so uh, by switching to fall calving, we were able to offer our customers a more mature bull. And uh, we reduced a lot of our labor issues and our uh, illness and the disease issues by going that route. It's not the norm, but it works for us. And so we try to do that. Uh, Boy, I feel your pain on that one. We switched to fall calving a few years back because we just found there were so many people getting into the game that really only needed one or two bulls. And so they really needed a more mature bull that could jump right at it. And that is not an easy switch to make. So I feel for you. <laughs> it, it, it about broke us when we switched over. We, we lost a lot of good cows and we found that uh, a lot of those old girls just did not like fall calving regime and so uh but since we've been in it so long that now that they're, they're born in the fall they seem to uh have, have converted and and we we actually have seen quite a bit of increase in our fertility our, our uh, inception rates have increased our heifers are, are cycling on time where when we first started it was pretty tough but it's it's been a good move for us not for everybody but it uh it works for us so you guys have had a really fabulous reputation and put out some really fabulous looking Herefords for a long time. When did you decide to dip your toe into black Herefords and what kind of precipitated that? Well, when, when, uh, so like I said, my father was, was in the registered uh, Hereford business as I was growing up. And so, uh, he raised, we I grew up on a 200 head commercial uh, cow calf operation and he would raise enough bulls for himself. And then he liked to trade with neighbors back and forth. So Herefords have been in, in my genetic for a long time. My blood red runs red. Um, I love the Hereford cattle, but, but I got, I got so tired of, of coming home. We used to market our bulls in, at uh, consignment sales. And I'd come home with a pretty nice Hereford bull that I couldn't get sold and would just be madder than hornets that, that I couldn't sell him. And yet I'd watch some inferior Angus bulls sell for a lot of money. And uh, so I saw the, the red hided discount a long time ago and we fought that and fought that and fought that. And the, the biggest reason we joined the Black Hereford Association was uh, we were cleaning up our Hereford cows with our walking Angus bulls and using those females as recips. And we put a few of the F1s into our, our production sale 
and they were topping our female portion of the sale. And and they were going just just to commercial buyers, and and uh, we we thought we need to get more and more of these. And then I got introduced to the I didn't know that the, the association existed, and I got introduced to it. And I could see the the uh, potential of, of tracking genetics, being able to use genomics and EPDs in our selection process, and it intrigued me. And so we joined, and and the rest is history. And we we anticipate probably limiting our red cattle uh, to just a few head as we as we grow our black Hereford herd. So then, how do you? make the leap from from that to deciding you want to run for the board of directors well uh i've i've been around for a lot of years i'm pretty long in the tooth <laughs> but uh i've i've served on a lot of boards and i've been chair of a lot of boards and i've seen uh uh what a good board can do and uh i think with with 40 years of, of being in the seed stock business that uh, I have a I have something to bring to the table and and I've al- always been a believer that that you can't just sit by and and be an also ran you need to be on the, in the lead and and you need to be out front with the experience that I that you have and, and I, so I think with the experience that I do have I think I can bring a lot lot to the board uh, I've, I've functioned on a lot of boards that have that have uh, been great things and and so i'm always willing to serve and and so i decided that now's the time absolutely so looking at the association what are some of the challenges that you see facing both the abha and the breed as a whole um i think I think our biggest challenge is uh, market share or breed acceptance within the cattle uh, commercial cattle sector of the industry. We need the Black Herefords to be known as a quality uh, breed. Uh, we need to be known as Black Herefords, not just Black Baldies. We need uh, uh, the cattlemen to uh, realize the benefits that are there, and so I think. With that being said, I think there's a lot of challenges that that we need uh, to accomplish. I think the EPDs uh, that we have need to be reliable and accurate. I think that we need to have uh, accurate data turned in so that we could make those EPDs accurate. Uh, we need breeders to enter their bulls at bull tests. We need uh, commercial cattlemen to put uh, their steers into the feedlot, and we get cut out data to prove uh, what we have to offer. With with the two parent breeds that we have, that are the greatest two breeds in the cattle industry, we can select genetics from them that will give us all the benefits in fertility, feed efficiency, um, hardiness, docility, and and combine them to give our commercial breeders a uh, black-hided animal that is accepted among the industry. And so uh, we have a lot of challenges, but I think we, we're on the right path. Uh, I don't think we need to make a lot of 
great changes and big changes, but we need a tweak here and there along the way. I think you are so right. Every time I start to think that we're we're really getting somewhere, people know who we are, what we are, I'll delve back into the cesspool of social media and it becomes apparent real quick that there is still a lot of education that needs to happen out there, that we are more than a Baldy, that, you know, a Black Hereford isn't an F1. There's a lot of education out there and, and we're primed to go ahead and do that. So I, I'm right with you on that one. So on the flip side of that coin, then, what are some of the strengths that you see within the breed and the association? Well, our, our strengths are, like I said, we have, we can combine the genetics from, from our two parent breeds um, and we can give our, our uh, commercial cattlemen a animal that is, uh, has great feed efficiency, has great fertility, has uh, the docility, the uh, doability, uh, higher fertility that will keep them in the business. And we can, we can make that hybrid vigor available to them so that they do not have to have a, a two-breed rotation in order to uh, get that hybrid vigor. Now, they have the option of, of, the, kind of the percentage of Hereford that they want to add into their herd and the, and the amount of, of hybrid vigor that they, that they want. Uh, and so by having different percentage cattle available to them, they can they can choose whether they want to use an F1 or they can go all the way up to a high 90% animal. And yet they can still keep the black package and, and, and avoid the red hide at discounts. So I think I think those are some of our biggest strengths. Um, I think also that, uh, in my opinion, one of the strengths that we have is the fact that we only allow two breeds. Uh, the parent breeds are only two breeds in this association. We're not wondering whether or not there's uh, a continental breed in there or a uh, dairy breed in there or whatever. So they have the assured they're assured that that it's it's strictly a, a beef breed coming from uh, beef genetics, and and so I think that's a great strength and and puts us in a great position. Yeah, I, we've got a great product. Now we've just got to get the message out there about it. Exactly. Education, education, education. It's the key to, uh, we've, we've got to have, and we've got to produce a product that is acceptable among them, among the commercial cattlemen that, that will give them the assurance that, that it's going to better them by, by going in that direction. Definitely. So what do you see as the role of the board of directors then? Well, it's, it's the same. I think being on the board of directors of the ABHA is no different than being on the a board of, of a water district or a fair board or anything like that. We need, I don't know. So I've served on a fair board and I feel like there are far more tiers <laughs> at fair. Uh, there, there's a, I've been, a, I've been chairman of our local fair board on two different occasions. And, and I can guarantee you that, I've had large chunks of my hide taken out, <laughs> and uh, and so I, I've I've been on tumultuous boards, and I've been on boards that have, have functioned very smoothly. But I think the function of any board is to guide and direct the association 
in the in the pathway that is the best for the association as a whole. There's no uh, way that we will survive if we go in and, and have agendas of our very own or try to uh, move ourselves into a higher position. I think I think we need to keep uh, the, the good of the whole association in mind. We need to guide and direct that way. We need to, we need to make some hard decisions, but then we also need to make decisions that that. Uh, will help everybody from from the smallest of breeders to the largest of breeders. There's no uh, nobody that's more important than anybody else. It's the association as a whole. And so my view is, as a board is, is no different than any other board that I've been on. Perfect. So are you open to fielding questions? If so, how can people find you? Oh, you bet. I'm always willing to talk, talk uh, cattle with anybody. Uh, they can reach out. They can find us. At, uh, uh, we're listed on the, the uh, membership on the on the Black Herford website. We have a website of our own, ipsandcattle.com. Uh, my phone number is 208-681-4794. I'm willing to field any questions they have. I may not answer them the way they may want them here, but they'll answer them truthfully and and the best of my ability. I, I don't know all the answers, but if I don't know an answer, I certainly can research it and find it and uh, and get back with them. Well, and I'll but just yeah, say I'm, I'm open to any or any questions. Well, I'll just say as someone that's you know helping to pull the magazine together and with a lot of the communications and promotional stuff with the ABHA, if you can't find the Ipsons, you're not looking very hard because they have been highly supportive of the association and they run ads and everything. Their information is absolutely out there. So thank you for that as a side note. So I like to end every interview by asking each, each interviewee, what's one thing you'd change about Black Herefords? Now, I know that there's been a few guests that have chosen not to answer that question. Um, I don't see it as a highly controversial question. It's actually been super interesting to catalog some of the different responses. I mean, we've had everything from they need to look more like Herefords to they need to have less Hereford in them. So it's it's just been really interesting to see the the wide difference in that. So Mark, what is one thing you'd change about Black Herefords? Um, I would continue. Uh, I guess it's not a change, but I would continue the path of building our quality uh, as it's grown in the last few years. Uh, I think that uh, I don't think that we need huge changes within this breed, but we need uh, we need the upper end uh, of our cattle to compete with the upper end of other breeds. Uh, we need to have show cattle that when they're in their stalls, they have people at the show going, did you see that Black Herford bull in so-and-so stall? I think he may be the best animal in this show. We need um, we need continued improvement on that upper end. I had a my livestock judging coach in college always told us that there's more difference within breed than there are between breeds. 
And we need to we need to get that upper end to compete with the upper end of the other breeds. So I don't think we need uh, a huge amount of changes. We need continuing improvement, and that that's going to come down to the breeders themselves to make that. That's not something that the board can do. We just need as a board we need to lay out the pathway so that those breeders can do it we need to work on issues that allow the breeders to to uh, exhibit and demonstrate their abilities as geneticists and as breeders to to make those kind of cattle uh, we as a breed uh, need to build our market share in the in the commercial cattleman sector we need to have we can have the greatest product uh available and if we have no market uh we're going to fail so we need to build that that uh, market share and acceptability among our cattlemen so uh, as the breed grows we need our our breeders to uh, form joint uh, state associations we need them to have a presence at uh county fairs, at state fairs, at trade shows, at, at cattlemen exhibits and, and events, so that so that we always have the Black Hereford at the forefront of, of people's mind. And with that growth then comes uh, the uh, ability for all of us to benefit and to grow and, and to make this breed a viable and competitive breed among the cattle industry. Well, I'm really glad that you've brought up the importance of the commercial cattlemen multiple times during this interview, because the show ring and and I've been, you know, pretty honest on this podcast that it's not my thing and that's okay. I'm glad other people do it. It's just not my area of interest, but that gets, you know, that gets a lot more views and that's why it's important. But to me, at the end of the day, the commercial cattlemen are going to be our bread and butter. That's going to be what keeps us sustainable and what makes sure that Black Herefords are here to stay. So I believe that really focusing in on that commercial market and building that customer base is super vital. I love hearing that that's a focus that you also have. Well, over over the years, I've found that that as we market 40 or 50 head of bulls every year, there's probably 45 of those going to commercial cattlemen and just a handful of them going into the registered sector. So uh, if we don't have commercial cattlemen, we don't have enough breeders that that we can keep supplying each other herd bulls or, or females for uh, herd replacements. We need the commercial cattlemen to be to keep us sustainable and and to uh, build our markets and so without them we're nothing and so we need to make sure that they're aware of us and that we have their best interests in mind in our breeding decisions and and we need to we need to make a product or develop a product that meets their demands and uh is acceptable among them and then and then we then we have a breed. Without that, though, we don't we don't have much. Yeah, that's when we get true market acceptance. Yeah, absolutely. Well, is there any last messages? Anything you want us to know about you? Um, I just, I just, uh, I enjoy this breed. I've enjoyed 
uh, being in the seed stock business for as long as I have, uh, like I said, we've been selling bulls for, for uh, 40 years. And uh, this is what, the, I guess without being a registered breeder, I think I would have lost interest in in the cattle industry as a whole. Uh, just turning out a, a bull with a bunch of cows never interested me a whole lot. But, but it's it's been so profitable the last few years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's that's the reason why we have uh black Angus in our in our uh, arsenal because uh it got to the point where we can hardly sell a Red Bull. Well I figured but you'd it, say that's where the horses come in. Well <laughs> <laughs> the the horses is what keeps keeps everything interesting and, and going from there. But but no we I enjoy uh, studying pedigrees. I enjoy uh, uh, matching up matings that's going to be what I think is the best uh, match for a particular animal and trying to improve and and, and make the offspring better than the, than the parents. I enjoy talking with people. I, enjoy, I look forward to our bull sale every year because I get to spend time with, with our customer base. Uh, I've developed friendships that have lasted for 30, 40 years. Uh, we have a high uh, percent of repeat buyers, which to me, that, that tells me that we're doing something right. Ultimate and, uh, compliment. Absolutely. Uh, it is. It's a great accomplishment and a great, uh, and a, a great accomplishment for anybody. And most breeders are in the same boat. They, they build a relationship, and and so those are the things that I enjoy. Uh, I enjoy the agriculture as a whole, but but I enjoy the friendships and the relationships that we've built. Well, I think you kind of hit on something that we've really found because we came to this originally as cow calf producers, you know, generationally as well, and studying those pedigrees and that data. That's been something that's been really fun. But eye-opening, you really have to be a student to be a solid seed stock producer because it is just constant studying, really. It, it is. It's it, you know, and and we've got so many tools available to us now that we didn't have uh, even 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, genomics has uh, jumped in there and played a huge role in in furthering uh, and and pushing uh, ahead. Our, our decisions and our and the results of our decisions. Uh, we can look at an animal now as a uh, virgin heifer, and we can see what her potential is after having eight or nine calves uh, before we ever breed her. And and we can do the same thing with bulls, and we can we can give our buyers that opportunity that they they can almost tell uh, one full calf crop prior to them buying the bulls. And our, and our our bull buyers are becoming smarter and smarter and smarter and and to some extent younger and younger and younger and i i've noticed that when when buyers come to our our place to look at bulls um when i first started in this business they came on sale day and they picked up a catalog and they sat down in the seats and they walked through the bulls and they ate lunch and they started bidding on bulls now uh i have buyers that that come two or three times in advance of the sale uh, their catalogs are marked up with five or six different colors 
There are several bulls that are just X right out that they don't even want to look at. Our buyers are, are very intelligent and very data driven. And we have to we have to be a step ahead of them. We have to know what we're talking about. We have to be uh, well acquainted with with what their needs are. Um, I enjoy making her visit and and finding out what what my buyers want, uh, so that I can base some of my decisions uh, off of what their needs are, so that we can provide them with a, a product that's going to help them. Uh, it, it's awful hard to sell something or sell a product to someone who doesn't want what you want, but it's pretty easy to sell something if you have exactly what they've been looking for. And so uh, it's a, it's a 365 day a year uh, job. We're always uh, looking at ways to improve our cattle to uh, make our product better. And, and going back to why I'm running for the board, it's the same thing. It's, it's a way that we can improve this breed and uh, make it better. And I can put my bit of knowledge in there along with, with um, many other men and their knowledge. And, and we can improve it and, and bring this breed up to the potential that it has. Well, and that's the cool thing about a breed, too it takes all kinds. You know, what works for me and my customers may not be what works down in Florida and that's okay. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. Every, every region in the country has, has its own problems and its own uh, uh, issues. Uh, we deal with high altitude problems, whereas some of our customers uh, care less about that. Uh, some places, uh, deal with feed problems or, or different things that, that we have not experienced. And so it's, it's been interesting to see how uh, the cattle can adapt and, and as they move around the country. Uh, and we've become more of a mobile society. I mean, it, years ago, it was unheard of to, to send a bull two states away. And now we're sending bulls from one end of the country to the other end. And and the females are going back and forth, and and we find that the adaptability of this breed is is amazing. And well, our place, I think we really have been a, a great example of that. So when we moved, you know, from the high desert of extreme northwestern Colorado out here to Nebraska, we had a lot of people tell us to expect a lot of death loss, and they just kept saying, "Well, cows that you know come out here that are aged." don't always adapt very well into the sand hills and you should be ready for it. And we did not have a high death loss at all. We lost a few right off the bat from just the stress of the move. And then everybody settled right in. And I think that's a testament to what black Herefords and that hybrid vigor and that heterosis can really do. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's why I, I think I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a member of the Black Herford Association if I didn't believe that they that they had a great amount of value and uh, they can be a great product uh, for our customers. And, and we found great acceptance among our cattle, our commercial sector and our commercial buyers. Um, and we found some resistance in some of them and, and some of them are a little hesitant to, uh, to have that black baldy bull, as they call it. And I try to correct them and no, this isn't just a black quality. This is, this is a cut above. And this is uh, 
you know, we've, we've made them better and it's taken a little while, but, but people are accepting them. And, and I think we're going to see that more and more as, uh, as this breed grows. I think there's a lot of room, uh, for growth in this breed. Uh, we, we need smart breeders, however, we need, uh, and we need, we need also, uh, breeders from all across the country, but we need, we need the breeders to realize that, that there's a responsibility in being a seed stock producer, and that's just not raising uh, male and, and female animals. We need them to raise quality male and female animals, and and we need to have them understand what a sharp knife is all about, and be willing to uh, accept that that not every calf born is is a, a great one, and so that comes with education within our breed. And uh, I think that will come. I, I think that we have a lot of, of very uh, astute and uh, very good breeders in, within the uh, association. And so I'm excited to, to work with them. I'm excited to associate with them. And, and uh, I look forward to all future endeavors with this breed. Well, thank you. I think that all sounds fabulous. Well, thank you for this interview, Jan. This is this is uh, this is a great deal, and and uh, I've appreciated and listened to your podcasts, and and uh, uh, they've been eye opening, and and uh, you're doing a great job. We appreciate you. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening. You can get in on the conversation over at our Facebook page at Black Hereford Chronicles, where we'd love to hear from you. Of course, don't forget to leave a review wherever you get your podcasts.